0: Hello, Into Creative Aging Minds. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm very excited to have a special guest today with quite an impressive background and the amazing work she's doing, especially right now during the pandemic. I have gotten so many requests about how to get through this pandemic and how to combat loneliness and isolation. Those are the big factors that keep coming up for me. So hopefully some questions will be answered today and, um, and even more so you'll be able to get in touch with this wonderful woman. I'll introduce Janet Sarati. She is the Executive Director of Friendship Works, an interfaith volunteer services serving services. Janet has been with Friendship Works, formerly called Matchup Interfaith Volunteers, since its inception in 1984. So I believe my math is correct. That's 36 years you've been with this uh, organization. It's pretty awesome. First as the coordinator of volunteers and then program director. When Friendship Works was under the ages of Boston Aging Concerns, she became the agency's founding executive director when Friendship Works became an independent organization in 1991. In all of these capacities, she has been the driving force, creating a vision, and steering the organization through its various stages of its growth and development. Janet holds a master's in social work degree from Hunter College School of Social Work in New York and is a graduate of LEED Boston a program sponsored by the National Conference for Community and Justice. Janet has held a range of senior leadership positions in numerous orga- organizations serving the needs of and advocating for the elderly. She is a founding member and former board chair of the National has served on board member of the Boston Partnerships for Older Adults as past president of the Massachusetts Coalition on Spiritual and Active role Coalition on Aging. She is currently the Massachusetts Healthy Family Collaborative Advisory Council, the Massachusetts Task Force to End Loneliness and Build Community. That is quite an impressive resume there. And with Friendship Works. Life preserves the dignity of older adults in greater Boston. They accomplish this by recruiting, training and matching volunteers of all backgrounds with older adults for friendship and support. And that is their mission statement. Janet, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. And wow, this is just such an amazing concept of combating lonely. To serve our elders. But the first question I'm going to ask you, since you're in this volunteer work and you give so much to others, what do you give for yourself? What are things that get you going in your life and spark that creativity force for you? Well, first of all, just thank you for
1: having me. I'm so delighted to be here and be in conversation with you and sharing with your audience the work that Friendship Works does and hopefully giving people opportunities to think about what they can do in terms of befriending an older adult in their community or how they can get involved. And uh, what motivates me in terms of um, my life is just really wanting to make a difference in the world and uh, leaving the world a little better uh, when I leave them, when I came into this world. Um, I love ideas and I love people. Um, I've always liked being in the presence of older adults and the wisdom and the time that older adults take to listen to you in a way that sometimes those of us who are so... Um, uh, involved in our daily work life sometimes don't have the time to listen to others in that same way. So, um, and also a way of bringing people together, you know, to understand each other a, a little bit better. So, um, I guess that that's a little bit of what keeps me going and like others, friends and family and being needed and doing something meaningful in life. And
0: so. your purpose. When, what got you interested in this population? How You've been doing this for a long time. What what did you feel this was a... Um, get-
1: yeah, well, I guess you can say I'm aging in place. So when you said, like, I've been here for 36 years doing this work, I have and started out, you know, with... Uh, when I was younger in my, you know, early 20s, I did volunteer work with some older adults. I always loved elders. I did not have grandparents in my own life, I think that... Um, and many people come to this work because they did have grandparents. So I think there's so many different ways you can come to a uh, loving the engagement with of different generations. For me, I just loved when my parents, friends, you know, or, or older folk, older persons that I knew were around. They just paid attention, as I said, in a different way. And they knew history. You know, they were part of the World War Two history genera- generation really lived, lived it um, and some um very difficult stories, as well as, you know, just um, a life experience. And I liked listening in um, and I liked the way they paid attention to me as, as a child. So that might have been part of it. And I also come from a family where my mom volunteered a lot. Um, so volunteering was part of that. And when uh, Friendship Works used to be an interfaith, co- well, it still is an inter involved in, um, working with people of all backgrounds and all faiths and different generations. But to me, bringing uh, focusing on the older generation or other things really defies any separations in, in many ways. And we're all lucky if we get to grow old and grow old with friends around us or with new friends in our life. And, um, So, but I like the idea of bringing people of different backgrounds together. That's very important to me and different faiths and uh, doing it in a purposeful way and starting to, it's kind of a a sub layer. layer. The first focus is really on older adults, but there's a layer of we can do this together um, with people of um, whether you're black or brown or white or Latino. And this is an issue that, um, and whether you're Jewish or Protestant or Catholic or Buddhist or um, a Muslim and through that and through those connections, we can change the world in many different ways. So that's that's part of my hope and part of my interest uh, in doing this work and continuing uh, to do it. Um, and I'll say that the last thing before you ask another question, which is, I think that when um, uh, when people volunteer, they tend to bring the best of themselves to their volunteering. So it's a real privilege to be working with people and to work with volunteers who themselves have a passion and give them the opportunity to bring the best of themselves uh, to the world. So so that's a true privilege.
0: That is awesome. It's very, and it's such a need, and especially right now. So kind of describing a little bit more about friendship work. So I know that you're highly sought after as a speaker to talk about your model and how this does is, this, this is a successful model that should be replicated and implemented in, in throughout the country and abroad. Um, Can you describe a little bit more about exactly so do you, what exactly are you doing? Are you pairing volunteers with seniors in homes? Are you volunteering them in, in different nonprofit agencies? Like what, if somebody wants to be involved, like how, how does your system, how does your model exactly work?
1: So I'll, I'll start by saying what, what we do is actually a very simple concept in some ways, and yet it, it's actually, and yet on the other hand, it's somewhat complicated and, and there's a lot of management and a thought that needs to go into it. So yes, we have a number of different programs. We have six different programs. Um, The core programs are our friendly visiting and our medical escort, but within that, there are many things that I'd love to share with you. Um, We we are kind of like fit on the roof. We are matchmakers when it comes to our friendly visiting program. We're matching two people, a volunteer, who can be of any age, 18 through, you know 100 plus whatever the volunteer can be if they're and the an older adult who is 60 and older or 55 and older if you have vision or hearing impairment but the idea is to bring two people together for friendship and we were once named as you had mentioned earlier match up interfaith volunteers and now friendship works and both of those show that there's a mutuality there's a give and take we ask volunteers to err on the side of listening to be be that you know, the friend who gives a little bit more. But there are times when it switches and where the volunteer may have had a really difficult day. And so um, it gives the opportunity for an older adult who may be more alone to share their wisdom and their experience and to be the giver. So um, it it is a two-way street and most friendships are that way. And we often hear from the volunteers that they gain more than they feel that they're giving. But we recruit volunteers. We get referrals from sometimes from family members, uh, from the healthcare system, from the human service arena, from a congregation, a faith congregation, from an elder building, from a hospital system, whatever, for um, an elder, an older adult who does not have a lot of family or friends left in the area where they're living would really welcome and um, their life would be enhanced by having a new friend in their life, or uh, we hope, you know, when always during no, non-COVID times, it is face-to-face, in person, we really believe so much in, in being close with one another, you know, holding a hand if if that's what you want, walking with somebody, talking with somebody. And now during uh, COVID-19, of course, it's, it's more on the phone, or if people have uh, email access, you know, maybe a they have an uh, opportunity to do some FaceTime, but there's also letter writing that can happen. But we look at what people's interests are. Um, what does the older adult like to do? What are their passions? Where do they live? What time of day would they like somebody to come? Do they have a preference for male or female? Um, and then we find the volunteer who also, we, we do a quarry check, we do some background checks, find out why they're interested, talk to them about what they're looking for, what time of day they can volunteer, what are their interests? Uh, can they deal with people with uh, different disabilities perhaps? And and where do they live so that it's not too much of a burden for them during the cold winter in, in Boston for them to travel, to visit with somebody? And then we'll, we'll make a match um, by the basis of, interests and all those other things, as well as just by the gut instinct of one of our coordinators. Um, so the coordinator will go with them on the first visit and make sure everything is fine. Um, the coordinator will also have visited once, the, uh, earlier have visited the elder in their own home so they have a sense of who they are, and then they'll match them. And, um, and we check in and troubleshoot if there's an issue and ask for people to visit weekly. Um, and so that's how that friendly visiting piece goes. Our other, within the friendly visiting, we also have pet visitation program where people with their own dogs, cats, or other, we've had a guinea pig or a bird that visits in long-term care in an assisted living or nursing home and gets matched with a particular building or, and, or with particular individuals to bring the unconditional love of a pet to them, Um, and we also have a music program, which is about bringing music and uh, they, the love of music, the visceral sense of music to um, older adults for as a way of connecting with one another in buildings and buildings where older adults live um, as a way of meeting their neighbors and a way of singing together, dancing together, sharing um, what music they, they love together. And those are things that are ongoing with the same people, hopefully building relationships throughout the year. And as we all build that Uh, With our medical escort program, we have, um, it it really is about helping somebody get to an appointment. Um, Many people need someone with them for emotional or physical reasons, to get to the hospital, to stay there with them, uh, to sit in the waiting room, maybe perhaps to go into the appointment with them, make sure they get home safely, have their prescriptions. And many people don't have somebody, even if you have a loved one in your life, they may not have the fortitude or the time to go um, to be with you at a medical appointment. And so you won't go, or you'll go and be very, very stressed. And so this is like a friend going with you, supporting you physically, emotionally, lowering the anxiety uh, that's there. That is so, so important. Um, and we have some other programs too, you know, that just offer short term assistance, one time help for. Tasks that many of us take for granted who are able-bodied, but that you might need somebody else there to help you, whether it's moving a piece of furniture, helping rake a lawn, uh, take you to the cemetery on the anniversary of a loved one's death. Those things are necessities or quality of life. So these are the types of things that, you know, neighbors do for neighbors, um, family members do for one another, but many people don't have that or or families are stressed or so many people don't have um, Uh, children, they don't have them at all, or they're not nearby, or their spouse is also aging and can't do all of this, or they may not have a spouse. So many, many older adults in our country live alone. And then uh, when you're not, you don't have the same uh, capability as you did when you were younger, it it makes life more difficult and challenging. And we want people to know that uh, we are there for them. So it's really out of... um, generosity of spirit and love that uh, volunteers do this and we have over 500 volunteers who, who um, wow. are, work with us.
0: That's awesome. so you, may, you already answered you answer a lot of my questions that I had as we were, as I'm listening more because um, my next question I wanted to ask was how's, how has the, pan, the pandemic affected the organization and you mentioned that you were doing like telephone calls and some virtual, Um, check-ins how how are most of the people able to respond to technology that way and is it you know is it still have you noticed any differences or people are they you know being online and having to work Is that still, is that something that you're finding has been problematic or has that been pretty successful?
1: Well, so many of the older adults that we, um, whose lives we, you know, are part of do not have um, technology or don't have access to the internet. So for those that do, um, we have helped do some tutoring on, um, we've gotten some computers donated to us, uh, laptops, and we have given them out and we've done some tutorials, but it's very difficult to learn without somebody in your home with you but we have been successful in some small number of times so that's where the old-fashioned telephone works really well Um, we have also we we have had volunteers who have created 2500 cards now that are sent to elder to older adults you know they're beautifully handcrafted cards to let people know that they're being thought about and we also deliver some of them and just letter writing. We've actually have some matches that are writing letters to one and another. Um, so so old school, but so lovely and meaningful, and you realize what really counts. So uh, a talk, a, a conversation on the phone on a regular basis, uh, a letter being sent back and forth, and definitely FaceTime and um, video chatting where, where it's possible um, does help. We do have had a few people who have visited outside somebody's window, if uh, that is possible. During COVID, we have moved our music program outside where possible and done music concerts outside during the good weather and creating CDs. So we're finding all sorts of ways to adapt to this. We really look forward to being back in person. But in the meantime, we're making sure that people are not socially isolated, even though they may need to be physically distant um, from one another. And all of our services are free to the older adult. They're done by volunteers. We do have a paid staff who manages and recruits and does the training and the interviewing, um, and everything is pretty personal, making sure that we think about each each um, person, both a volunteer and the older adult, as an individual and what their what their uh, particular personality and needs might be. Wow!
0: Um, what is and what's the average age? Rate? to over 100 do you have a lot of or like is there an intergenerational component or do you work with any of the school
1: well our um, age range of the volunteers actually gone down over the years it used to be more in their average might have been more in like mid-40s and now it's more in probably like 30 we have a lot of Uh, People in their 20s and 30s who volunteer. Uh, We're in the greater Boston area. There's a lot of young people here who really care about um, older adults might be missing their own parents or grandparents, um, maybe living further away from them, or they know that there's family there for them and they don't have it. So looking to get out of their own bubble and love having an older adult in their life so they really get something from it. And also that um, a lot of times I think people in their 20s and 30s the millennial generation gets gets a bad rap. And I find them amazing human beings, actually, and really caring. And so but we do have volunteers who are in their 80s. Uh, but I would say the majority of them right now at Friendship Works are in their 20s and 30s uh, with the whole range in be- you know, above that as well. You have to be 18 to volunteer with us. Just because of yeah. liability, and it, sometimes there are younger people who will do it with their parents. But
0: um, yeah, so of course, um, yeah. There's, I just, feel, you know, and I also think that they would find more meaning for it too. And building up, kind of, you know, regardless, and you're having these human or interactions, older. So I think you're building up meaningful relationships.
1: Yeah, and I think also people see how they want to age, and what you know, we we hope that there's always someone there for us, and making sure that you know everybody should have a friend who wants one. Um, and and sometimes it's harder when you don't have the ability to get out as much as you did for any uh, for reasons of visual impairment or mobility or anything, and you might need someone. You can still do it, but yeah, yeah You need somebody else to help your eyes and ears and hands uh, for you. So it's a lot about adapting, but adapting is a lot easier when there's somebody else encouraging you and believing in you and helping you to do that.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned being in the Boston area. Um, Would you say that community plays like the biggest role in how this, and how kind of a model would be successful in functioning?
1: I'm I'm not sure that I understand that question completely. Do you want to, Um,
0: yeah no meaning that community involvement like if you have a community where people are inclusive or exclusive or you know I would I would imagine that community plays a huge role in what you're doing and just the embracing of ageism and having awareness to what's to what's happening because I know certain parts of the country there's you know there's just communities where people just are not aware of these or things to them so it's like you know Community really plays a big impact in how.
1: Absolutely, in Massachusetts, we're part of a coalition right now called uh, Reach Out Massachusetts, and you know, collaborating with other organizations and individuals to make sure that uh, you know we'd like to make Massachusetts kind of a uh, a really good role model. But there are other places in the country doing amazing things in small rural places and urban and suburban. But your community makes a big difference as does, you know, the walkability of a community, um, the kind of housing that's there. And Boston can be a great place, but can be a very tough place also. Um, you know, we do have public transportation, which many places do not, which helps, um, but at a certain a- time in your life where it might be more difficult to get on that. And we have neighborhoods and some neighborhoods are more accessible and safer than others. Um, so all those things are taken into account. So any many communities throughout the country have volunteer programs somewhat similar to ours although not exactly Um, but it is possible to start something like this you know maybe even with just one component or two uh, and you know in in a community and uh, it is important the follow-up that happens and the support of the volunteer Um, many people start as volunteers and become friends which we hope but Sometimes you need to know what else if, if somebody has another need how to connect them with a um, if they need house housing support or if they need support with some advocacy issue or if somebody's beginning to lose their memory they may need an additional support so that's where an organization like us can uh, come into play and also if either the volunteer or the elder no longer wants to for some life reason. Um, or cannot continue, you know, with a relationship in the same way that it started. Somebody's moving, um, whether it's the older adult or the volunteer, then we'll come in and try and make a new match, and hopefully that match will continue by phone or by mail as friends, you know, when friends move away. But you might need somebody else, very local here, to come and visit with you and uh, help with those things that one needs. And I'm a true believer that we are never independent in our life. Um, it may be that rare day that any of us are truly independent, but we're very interdependent. And they're just different times in our life that uh, we need we need each other in, in in new ways.
0: Absolutely. Is there, for a volunteer, do you have like a time commitment?
1: We ask for 10 to 12 months. Uh, we sometimes will go to eight to 10 months. If it's a student, as you mentioned, a college student who's here for, you know, like September through June or something like that, we will do that. But it takes a while to build a friendship and, um so we do ask for for the friendly visiting piece we do ask for a longer term commitment, and most people when they do that they 'll continue because when you're friend you're friend and as long as you're able to, you will visit um but but that is the commitment we ask for we do as I said some training also and uh try and make that that good match and be in touch and see how things are going with um our other programs, like our medical escort program, you're not doing it necessarily every week. You'll let the coordinator know how often you can, you know, take somebody to a medical appointment and what, what days of the week you're available. And maybe that one week you do twice and another week you don't do any. It's not on a, it's not on a schedule like that. And the same thing with our um, friendly helping program. We also do this in Spanish and English. So we have capability and staff who speak both English and Spanish.
0: That's awesome. Um, the, I'm kind of moving tracks a little, just because I, you, you mentioned so many when you were talking about just the programs and all the things you offer and, you know, I'm an art therapist and I work with a number of other expressive arts therapists. So I have a huge ad in seeing the effects of what, especially music in particular music really has an effect on, on, on the brain. And you mentioned your music program. Do you work with music therapists, or can you explain a little bit more about your music program?
1: Yeah, I love the fact that you mentioned that. So we have a partnership with a place called Goddard House here in Boston that has funded this program and is a great partner with us. And what we do is um, we will do one-on-one matches for music, but the focus of this program right now is being in a number of different buildings in the Boston area where we bring either uh, Spanish Spanish music or English music. And in some buildings, you know, there's a lot of dancing and high energy and for others it's a little more sedate and people might do some drawing or painting or talking doing it and using that they're not music therapists but it's a musician who plays live music and then also brings in um you know the residents of the building the people who live there to come down to we have some drums we've bought some instruments so people can play together eye hand coordination the joy of just creating music. So it's not about listening to music. And we all know how important listening to music is and how it impacts our mood. But for us, it's about creating connection. It's about the visceral, yes, mood lifting piece or uh, mood setting piece of music itself. But it's about through singing together or through playing music or talking about, well, what What music did you listen to in your home country, or during, you know, when you were married, or you know, at this age? What was popular? And then we can sing that together by sometimes moving together. You all of a sudden build connection with somebody else you might have just seen in the hall or never talked to, or somebody in elevator. You know how people are in buildings; you don't talk in the elevators. So now that you've you've been singing together, you know, for a few months, you can say hello and you can become friends. So we love the idea of using music um, in so many different ways. And I do believe it's one of the oldest, I mean, I don't believe it. It is, you know, one of the most core pieces of the human soul, you know, whether it's a, a beat or a drum or people even who have memory loss sometimes remember songs from their past. There are people who can't vocalize but can sing. So we know that music uh, for human, uh, for the human being and for the human soul is so important. So program that i just really love and we're looking to build and it's been tough during covid uh, doing this so we are trying to find all new ways even though we can't be in person with them but to bring uh, music through the phone through cds that we've created uh hoping to go onto cable television to do some not the same as being in person but uh we do what we can right
0: Exactly. yeah and it's in the, in the fact that you you guys were even still offering and being able to do this just speaks volumes you know that this didn't just defeated everything that we're still able to have these human connections when you talked about completely independent that social creatures and so having you know especially as we age it's important that we have that that connectedness and that sounds like exactly what you're doing
1: yeah with the connect with the pets, with the visitation, with music, you know, it, it lasts for the time that's there, but it also stays with you, right? It stays with you for the rest of the day. You're singing that song or you're moving or even tomorrow you might. So it changes your whole and if you're doing with others, then it it makes you feel like you're connected to the world. It, it's kind of a it's spiritual in some ways or just human. And um, it's lovely.
0: Yes, it is. Um was this kind of a grassroots approach did you have like just a handful of volunteers and it just exploded over time
1: it's, it it did it started actually with a coalition of congregations of different faiths um Jewish Catholic Protestant in Boston, because that's kind of what represented Boston 36 years ago, maybe a little different now in terms of, uh, and and then also some healthcare and human service organizations and started just with, uh, yeah, just started recruiting volunteers and getting referrals. And, you know, at the beginning, you kind of know everybody. And then as it grows, you don't, but you try and keep in touch. And some of the matches have uh, my first, The first match I ever made, I don't make matches now. Now I live vicariously from other staff as I have been the director for a long time, um, but lasted 18 years. So, you know, where the volunteer was um, 33, I think when she started, 38 or something. And I uh, And uh, was matched with the same woman until she was 55. And the older adult was 88 and died at 103. So or something in there. I'm not sure my math is exactly right there. So and then some matches will only last a year just because, as I said, um, you know, people's lives change. A volunteer comes in, they get a new job, they may need to leave um, in terms of face to face. But most of them will, um, uh, you know, last for a few years. Um, And if not, then we, we we will make a new a new match for somebody. So, yes, to your question, it is, um, I may have swayed from your question, but uh, yes, it started small. And as, as we, we have expanded into some new neighborhoods, so um, outside of, a little bit outside of Boston, contiguous to Boston, and there we start with, you know, one match. And it is about one relationship at a time. And then it's two, and then it's three, and then it's four, and it continues to grow that way.
0: Yeah, have have you done any research? And you know, with because you know, loneliness and isolation is just—it's a huge problem, especially in, in the elderly. And has there been any research on on the work that you're doing in in combating loneliness and isolation?
1: Well, you know, when we started, there was no research on this, and nobody really cared about. I used to say we were the most unsexy program in the world: frail, isolated older adults. Nobody really wanted to hear about it, even though you know that is just—it's—it's it's got a stigma to it. Um, uh, even though we all hope that we do have the opportunity to grow older and we know we'll face some losses you know as, as we do that um, but there has been a lot of research in the last you know, 20 years or something last 15 or 20 years, tremendous amount about the um, impact of isolation, social isolation and loneliness on people's lives, on longevity, on blood pressure, on even memory loss um, and how dangerous um, social isolation and loneliness is. And that could be a whole nother conversation about really the science that they're now, you know, the, discovering and finding about this you kind of know it in your gut that it's not right that we're meant to be with one another and uh, that we are pack animals as human beings but the science and um you know is coming around and and the impact also on financial on, on the economy for people who are who are old because, who are lonely because of going to the doctors and illness that happens when um, you don't have a reason to wake up in the morning and when you're feeling lonely so there is a lot of research and on us ourselves we have done um we've done quite a bit of research it is hard to do and we you know we look at our programs each year to see that they're making a difference we'd like to do deeper studies and maybe pair up with the university to do that but about seven years ago we really evaluated, uh, took a year to evaluate each of our programs in a more in-depth fashion and made some tweaking based on that, um, you know, to, to look at, you know, what a difference this is making and does this connect with, you know, the research that's out there in the more academic community. Um, and we have found that it, it did, you know, it, it is making a difference. We would like to do it in a larger cohort study um, if we could, but we also don't, it's also, We have to be so careful because we don't want to invade people's lives. Like we don't want people to feel that they are, you know, a research. Uh, It's tough being in human services and really caring about the person and then saying, oh, but we need to evaluate whether this friendship is really making a difference. It's it's an awkward space, although we feel we, we probably need to do it a little bit more.
0: No, it's true, but um, it is. It's kind of this interesting, fine, kind of slippery slope. I'm curious, you know, being, you know, I've worked for years at a research clinic in Alzheimer's disease and, you know, working a lot with, you know, trying to educate primary care physicians and neurologists, especially, because a lot of times they're seeing their elderly patients and they don't know who to refer. They don't, they know that they're depressed. They know they need help and often what to quote unquote prescribe. Do you have um, support from like your local physicians in your community? Are they, do they ever refer people to your.
1: Well, mostly the physicians offices would refer people for our medical score program. And I wish they would refer people more for friendly visiting um, or be more aware of that. And I know there's, conver- you know, those referrals usually come more from um, friends, from housing, from some health services, but, um, more from human services than the health um, sector there I know there are articles out there now and I, I hope it happens, but that part of you know a checkup is your social checkup and yes referring people um, to us to or to somebody and giving them a prescription to find a friend to call a place like friendship yeah. works to it's not so easy to just find a friend particularly when you're older and may not be able to get out as much and so forth, although some, obviously some older adults make incredible new friends. When people retire, they make a whole new cohort of friends. But if you become frail and depressed, it's, it's um, harder to do that. And so um, for any reason, and I, um, I really hope that doctors start to prescribe socialization For their patients and for people they see, because people will often listen to their doctor in a way they may not listen to a family member or something. You know, you can tell your mom or dad to, you know, go do this and that, and they'll push back. But if a doctor tells them, they may listen a little better, especially if they give them resources uh, to do that. And that, you know, you'll find you can always. It's not something you're going to be given. We'll work with you. We'll find the right friend. You can you can say no. You know uh, you get a choice of who your friend is. It's not it's not like anybody. We don't match anybody with anybody. Um, Or you can join. You know, for some people groups are great, and people have been group people. But there are people who their whole life never liked being in a group, or you can't go out in a group. But I believe that. 99.9% 99.9% of every human being wants a friend, wants at least one friend, if not more than that, to connect with and somebody who really gets to know them and cares about them as an individual and whom they can care about, who, who they can be a friend to. Again, um, it's not always about receiving, but it's about being able to continue to give as we grow older and use what we've learned through our life um, and to build relationships that we have in the past and continue to do that. So
0: exactly. Well, I know some of my listeners are physicians, so I know you're out there listening. You need to start letting your peers know, (laughs) try to get more awareness on this socialization and and prescribing, because it's definitely such a need. So one of the last important questions uh, is how can people reach you? Well they can
1: reach us through uh, they can go to our website which is www.fw like friendship works fw4elders.org again www. fw the number 4 elders dot org. Um, We also have, uh, you can look us up online. Also, there's a phone number, you know, that you can call. We're not in the office that much these days, but it does get connected to us. And that's 617-482-1510. You can make that phone call again, 617-482-1510. And somebody will get back to you. Um, We're in the office, but not as much as Uh, we were before COVID and hope to get back there. So those are the two best ways to do that. Um, There is a way uh, on our website, there's a place where you can fill out a little form to volunteer and there also should be some email addresses there if you do have internet. And if not, please do use the phone and feel free to call.
0: Perfect, thank you. That's great. So I encourage my listeners to check it out. And even if you're not in the particular Boston or Massachusetts area, I believe it's still absolutely worth checking out and even being in touch with Janet, if you have other questions. Janet, so I'm, as we're kind of, as I'm, we're kind of coming to an end, uh, do you have any advice for any of my listeners? And, you know, a lot of my listeners are over the age of 65 and looking for ways to be involved and engaged in life. Do you have any tips for for them?
1: Um, Probably, you probably know them all. Those of you who are over 65 and lived a lot, whether we listen to ourselves is another question sometimes. But um, I would say find, you know, know yourself and and know what you enjoy doing. You know, if you are looking to volunteer, it should be something that you're really choosing. Uh, In life, we have to work a lot and do things we may or may not like to do, but uh, figure out what your passion is or what you'd like to learn something um, about what are you curious about and try something. Um, what are you interested in? What makes you feel good? Um, you know, is it, uh, you know, learning, I think learning is great, learning something new, being involved with other people, um, for many of us, and for those who may not, um, they're you know, they're following your passion, figuring out what you can't do anymore, also, because there may be um, changes in in one's mobility or other things. So accepting what you can't, but then finding out what you still can do and to try it and to know that it might take a while. And they're not all, not all organizations are easy to volunteer with. Um, and sometimes just to know there may be some disappointments uh, along the way so you don't frustrate yourself and give up along the way and just keep going. Um, So you do, so your creativity doesn't have to always be in the art and music, it can be be in thinking and creating and being a good friend. That's also, I think, a a different form of uh, creativity. Um, Find something um, that gives you a reason to wake up in the morning.
0: Exactly. Thank you. Well said. It's been such a pleasure to have you and thank you for all that you do and for all the people that you serve and just looking forward to this pandemic ending and life going on. And until then, just keep on keeping on. Mm -hmm. Janet, it's been a true pleasure. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much for the opportunity. And please, um, your listeners, feel free to reach out to Friendship Works if you're interested or have any questions.
0: Absolutely. Okay. Well, stay creative stay healthy, stay safe.
1: Be well. Bye-bye.
0: Bye.